We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Is that purple? Oh, purple or is that, yeah. It's okay. That's just a straight I would purple. I say it's a bright lavender. Does it come with honest. the gloves? Or did you have it to does, match it? I them? bought the gloves special. Wow. How are you? I'm good. Do you want to talk weed first or other stuff? Since you go, you just you lectured me on weed. I didn't lecture you. You said you were interested in talking about the subject since, since today's a big day well, in Connecticut. And I said I wanted to discuss a, a, a particular issue I think in regards were, to it. Yeah, we're like-minded. I, I, I think that the process, first of all, it was, it was too slow, too late, and it's not going to be nearly as lucrative for the state as I think anyone expects. Uh, and 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 the original legislation is something I I wouldn't have delved into as much. You think was flawed from from the get go. Of course it was because the when the claim is we need we can make so much money from it because other states are making so much money from it. First of all, we're not one hundred percent clear what states are making what from it. Um, we are clear of the negative ramifications and consequences from. From it, like, like DUI you know, type stuff, you mean? DUI or type stuff, insurance rates going up, you know, consequences that people don't don't think of. But we've seen, I mean, like states like Colorado, um, different things that have happened, and that hasn't even been that long, right? Um, you know, but but even our laws, because we saw as of January first, many people's records were expunged for low level marijuana possession uh, charges, and and. We're pounding our chest as to why that's such a good, um, a good thing and a good policy. But the reality is this: you're making laws that that force people to break the law. For example, we were just, which is what we were just talking yeah, about. Tell people right now. We all know if you are sitting in a car or driving a car, drinking a beer, and a police officer drives by you, he or she can stop you. It's probable yeah. cause. It's a legal stop, and that is a common sense thing, right? Alcohol intoxicates you and allows your uh, your driving to be impaired and and that's that's illegal but under Connecticut law as of now the statute says that it is a C misdemeanor to smoke or ingest marijuana while driving okay so that would make sense on its face right except several lines down in the same statute it says but no peace officer meaning police officer shall stop a motor vehicle for a violation of this section if such violation is the sole reason for such stop. So only if they're stopped for another reason can they give them that C misdemeanor if they see them. Right. So what you can be in a, it's sitting at a stop a stoplight, police officer next to a car, you could be smoking marijuana and they have no ability to pull you over and arrest you for that. <laughs> now just what sense does that make? It's inconsistent. We know a few things. We may argue about other things, but we know a few things for certain. Smoking or ingesting marijuana impairs driving. impairs everything. Yeah. Impairs everything. Just like we know that drinking impairs drinking you, alcohol. So how could that law be different? Will they have to rewrite or reamend? Like how does that work? Well, I would I would hope they would. I from my understanding, I wasn't 
their last session. But my understanding is the debate that went on around that issue was it would it would affect the minority population more than others, and therefore it wasn't fair. Now, you know, I mean, I, I may be naive when it comes to this kind of stuff, but if you're impaired, you're impaired. I don't care, you know, what your gender is, what the color of your skin is. If you're impaired smoking marijuana, you're impaired. If you're impaired drinking alcohol, you're impaired, and therefore you're putting your life and Are, other lives at risk. Others yeah. Themis Claritas joining us here. I'm Brian and Company in WTIC News Talk 1080. I mean, a, a bunch of things to talk about. Uh, you know, just a quick sort of postscript on the election. I mean, I, I'll ask you personally, I mean, how f- frustrating was it to watch Levy and the candidacy and, and what happened in the resulting election? I mean, was that hard to watch? The entire election was hard to watch. I mean, when you have uh, a governor's candidate and a U.S. Senate candidate at the top of the ticket, that lose by 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 points, there's not really a lot of hope for people underneath. And coming from the Connecticut House and being the former leader, um, you know, I know how difficult it is when you're underneath, uh, when you're lower on the ticket, and how that affects you. We had great candidates there that lost seats, uh, that lost seats because they were hurt by the top of the ticket. And, you know, we have to make decisions in this state do we want to win elections and choose people that are giving us giving us our best chance to do that or not? So what went wrong? What do you think went wrong for Republicans at the top of the ticket? Listen, I mean, you can you can ask people out there whether it's Connecticut or across the country. I mean, we saw similar things happen in other states. We saw what happened in right, Pennsylvania. But, you know, Bob Bob wasn't a pro-Trump you know election denier. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know Levy was more of that ilk. Correct. I mean, they're two very different styled candidates with very similar results. What I've learned being in politics for many years is that we all have different skill sets, and running for office is a very quirky and unique skill set that you need. You have to be likable. People have to have a belief or a trust in you. They have to believe that you care. Um, that's why constituent services are so important. We can't change everything that you ask us to change, but we can try to do it and let you know that we are doing everything within our power to do that. And, you know, certain people have different skill sets. I just I just don't think his message resonated with the people of the state of Connecticut. That doesn't make somebody a bad person. That doesn't, um, you know, make it wrong. But for whatever reason, he didn't resonate with the people of the state of Connecticut. And, of course, you know, when the time is right, we'll have – um, Mr. Stefanowski on as well, and I've, I've had a very good relationship with him, and 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 I think that it, it it's tough to run as a Republican right now in Connecticut. But I, I do want to. We have to take a quick break, but that's what I want to get to this this balance between you know the moderate and and the 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 far side of the party. And it's true on both in both parties. But you're a Republican, and you would think that the moderate has now a place moving forward, but then we see what happens at the House of Representatives in D.C., so it's a real interesting conversation to have. So we'll put a little pin on that. Uh, we're talking with Themis Claritas, of course. Um, you know, uh, she was a Senate candidate. She spent a long time as the Republican leader in the House here in Connecticut, so uh, a very well-known figure in Connecticut politics, but also you're you're a student of politics in general, and, you know, I'm, I'm an independent, but I you know, I think I'm a classic sort of fiscal conservative and I'm not socially 
you know, left to center on everything, but there's some things that are important to me, um, you know, that aren't, 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 aren't to the right. And, and I'm, I'm okay saying all of those things, but you know, the, the moderate, Republican had to run and hide for years nationally, right? And so then we have this election where a lot of the far right elements of the party lost. And then, you know, maybe that there's a window here where you can get back to sort of like the smaller government republicanism that a lot of people seem to identify with, although nobody seems to want to spend less nationally. And then you have this House of Representatives speaker fight, which got totally co-opted by just a handful of people. And I'm just curious of what you, where you sort of, your sense of things. And I asked this to Christine, but she's a journalist and, and you're not, both locally and nationally. What, how do you view the state of the Republican Party? Well, I think nationally, uh, we have certainly allowed the far right to take over the party nationally. I mean, we saw the speakers fight, and I mean, I was just mesmerized by the entire thing. You know, I mean, you you look at Kevin McCarthy, who's the new speaker, and his career in Congress. And then you look at what happened two years ago where he and Mitch McConnell stood up and said January 6th and, and, and put, you know, said certainly President Trump at the time was, was at least partially to blame. And then a few weeks later went down and kind of begged his forgiveness. And And as a former leader, I had sympathy for him. I look at leaders now in my brain of former leader and understanding, you know, you have a caucus and he has a big caucus. I mean, it's 435 members of Congress. He has a lot of people that he has to manage. And there's so many different, different feelings and everybody wants something and everybody thinks what they want is the most important thing. And right. And, and you the, got 200 of them in Congress. And the crazy thing about, about being the head of a caucus is it's not like you're the boss, so to speak. And I say that in quotes, of your caucus. You're the leader of your caucus, but you're not like the boss of a company. You can't hire people and right. fire people. You can't control um, them. And you can, well, and what can you do? Not put them on committees. You cannot give them the offices they want or, you know, th- things like that. And he made the decision early on, two years ago, that he needed to be in with the right side of his caucus. And that's why he went down to President Trump and apologized. I didn't agree with that decision. Um, you know, I think you have to make you have to manage your caucus. You have to make sure that all sides of it are are heard and listened to, and they have a part in your policy making and everything. But I think, unfortunately for him, his the right extreme right of his caucus are just, and I'm not going to say extreme politically because they 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 are very right wing, but they're extreme in how they act and how they treat people and how they talk right. and and their reactions and actions to things. And I think that that. That's a small number, but they're very vocal. And he clearly got nervous about it. And then we saw what happened last week. I mean, 15 ballots. That was ridiculous. Well, there's so many things I could follow up on. One is, I mean, I've had several Republicans on this air and all across the countries, you know, basically say some people just want chaos and they just they just want and they want notoriety. And that that's what they're doing. So it's not necessarily politics or policy or anything. At the same time, you know, everybody wants the position and they want the power. I just it's been so so obvious and blatant with McCarthy that he just the position he wanted so badly he would do anything. Essentially, you saw him admit through his actions he would do anything to get it. Do you think he should have stepped aside? And since they had 15 votes and then he got in, was it worth it for anybody? And then will we just 
it won't be a big deal in six months anyway. I mean, we're all prognosticating here, right, and saying what would what might have happened. I don't think anybody on the Republican side, unless it was those one of those 20. I mean, here's the problem. If you put up one of those 20 that were voting no all along the way, yeah. you wouldn't have gotten the, the, the majority of the rest of the caucus. Correct. If you put up Steve Scalise, let's just say, you know, his, his deputy— I think people would have looked at him in the same way. They would have said, okay, well, McCarthy's still going to run the show, so what's the difference? So I think that they were really stuck in a— There was nowhere to go. —a very bad place. You know, I mean, the other option could have been go over to the Democrat side and say, listen, here's where we are. Let's make some some power-sharing deal. I'm going to be the speaker, but I'm going to give you some a few chairmanship positions in in exchange for some of your votes. I mean— that would you know, I mean I don't the way like, the parties deal with it, I, that would be like capitulation. Brian, but I don't like being held hostage. See, that's the yeah. thing. Like that's my personal feeling. And after five, six, seven, eight, nine votes, and you're sitting there and you're playing. I mean, they were playing with him. Yeah, they were. But he allowed himself to be played at the same time. So you know, I think it was a really bad situation. But I, I will tell you this: I couldn't agree more. They would call them. You know the, the rebels, and they kept giving the, that group of twenty all these all these names, and it wasn't about policy. They like chaos. They like the attention. They like the fact that they you know they're the ones that are standing. What are you standing up for? I will bet you if you put on a piece of paper all the positions Kevin McCarthy has versus all the positions those twenty had, there was a large majority, large, right. that they are in agreement on. If you're talking about conservative policy but if you called all the if you called fox news and newsmax and all these other stations and said don't have matt gates or marjorie taylor green or any of these other people on anymore i don't think they'd be as interested in what they were doing because right. they like the attention of it sure and there's and you know when the house is 435 and the ones who want to make a name from this themselves that's how they do it and they can get their x million followers and then get their book deal when they're done or whatever it is that motivates them i mean it's it's hard not to be cynical about it themis claritas joining us here on brian and company uh we we just have a a minute here and then i want to get back to connecticut politics but my final question on this do you think that that something like this has a whereas hakeem jeffries they they turned over the democratic leadership seamlessly so is this something that has any impact politically moving forward or is this just people will just in a year, this is a, a non-issue, and we'll get back to the election, and 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 it won't matter. On the national level, yeah. No, I think it, it will absolutely impact the election in two years. I think that How so because I think that this notion that the Republican Party is held hostage by Donald Trump because we heard Donald Trump being name being uh, brought into this all along the way. He made phone calls, and Marjorie sure. Taylor Greene held up her phone, and it said DT. And right. you know, he was even of, nominated by Gates. Right, once. all of all this kind of thing. That was something that hurt people in Connecticut this election, people in Pennsylvania and Georgia and Arizona and all over the country. We saw what happened just a few weeks ago in the November election. And I think that that's going to continue unless people really take a stand and say, listen, who are we as Republicans? We are we are a party of lower taxes and smaller government and strong and strong defense and allowing people to make more decisions on their own. Traditional Republicans, not a Republican that says, "Okay, you're only a Republican if you support this guy or you support this girl. Right. We're chit chatting. Demis and I. Sorry about that. (laughs) It's 842. We're back here and we don't always have to talk turkey. But since, you know, and we'd love to have you back. 
talk about just about anything, but I, you know, I, I did want to touch on this because it's pretty obvious that since I don't know whether it's 2018 or what have you, that Republicans have lost ground in the state of Connecticut. And, uh, um, you know, in, you could say, OK, well, it, 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 some people might say, well, it has to do with sort of the, how Donald Trump plays in New England with conservatives and Republicans. Just explain to me how you how you view that and why you would ex- how do you explain how Republicans have lost seats here in Connecticut over the last couple of years? Well, between 2010 and 2018, Republicans just in the state house alone won over 30 seats, which is unheard of for a state that is predominantly right. Democrat. Uh, you know, for a lot of reasons. I mean, Dan Malloy was governor. Um, you know, he was doing things. The legislature was doing things that people didn't like. We had great candidates and a, you know, great operation. But unfortunately. In a state like Connecticut, and every state is different, but in a state like Connecticut, where almost 50% of the registered voters are unaffiliated, meaning they're not registered Republican, they're not registered Democrat, they're just registered. Um, The GOP brand is toxic, you know, because of Donald Trump. They're toxic with independence, all right? And you need, a Republican needs- Right or it's wrong, that's the reality. Statewide, you need that vote. You need a good portion of the independent vote to win. It's not the unique. I mean, it is a necessity. You cannot win as a Republican in the state of Connecticut on a statewide election unless you get a good amount of those unaffiliated voters. I mean, I had people. Now, remember, as leader, I, I not only ran my own race, but I was all over the state, um, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 towns all over the state campaigning for our, our candidates. And I had people, one after the other, say to me, Listen, I, I think you're great, or I think this guy or girl that you're campaigning for is great, but I just can't vote for a Republican. I mean, dead serious, not not acting like a jerk, not being obnoxious, right. just saying, I can't. And I would say, I don't understand. You just said that she's great. How could you not vote for her? Because I just, I can't vote for a Republican. I don't like what's going on nationally. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like what's going on in Washington. And I would say, well, you know, I respect your feeling on that, but we're running for Connecticut. Run and try and fix and help Connecticut. I just can't. I feel uncomfortable. So and there's a reason for that. It's not just it didn't happen from 2010 to 2016, right? So unfortunately, it affects states like Connecticut a lot more. So for 2024, if Trump is the nominee, and obviously we don't have a governor's race, that will be a, a factor here in Connecticut for like statewide races or Congress and so on. It's very concerning, I and mean, it's concerning to the Republicans in general. What, you know, nationally, what, you know, I'm not asking you to support anybody, but, you know, whether it's Nikki Haley or DeSantis or Pompeo or, or Pence or whomever, forget about likability, like electability. Like, who, who do you think would have, where you sit now? I mean, everyone, I remember everyone talked about Jeb Bush and then it took one debate for Trump to just dismantle him, you know, and he was done. It was like Howard Dean with the yaha in Iowa, right? It was just one day mm-hmm. and it was done. So it, a lot can change and we don't know what DeSantis will be like in a debate. He might get crushed. We have no idea. But in terms of electability, like where does your instinct take you? Well, right at this moment, and remember, I mean, between now and the next presidential election is a lifetime in politics. I mean, between now and next week is a lifetime in politics. But if we look at the polls and we see who's who's surging now, I mean, Ron DeSantis. What is do you think? Now. I mean, we, I, with the caveats being made, what do you th- what do you think? Listen, I always lean towards somebody who's very charismatic, who's very dynamic, who gets people excited, who brings out 
you know, the passion in people. Who is that? I, I don't I don't see that person out there right now. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not being critical of Ron DeSantis. He's done a great job in Florida and I think that's important. You know, Florida's a huge state. Yeah. It's gonna be very important. And it's getting, pretty red right now. Getting too. a nomination. It's, and it's yep. gotten more red. Yep. And it's gotten more red because of him, you know. So he deserves a lot of credit for all of that. I just don't necessarily f- I do not feel that excitement yet. That may come along when if he starts really campaigning nationally and making the decision he's going to do this. Do you think it'll end up Trump versus Biden? No, I don't necessarily think it will. But I think there's a possibility that it could. It's funny. I, I, and have, I can't even imagine that we're going to do that again. Right. I can't imagine on either side, on either side. I just think, yeah, I mean, the age is an issue. I I, I tend to think and I, I have no basis in conversation, but I feel like if Trump didn't run, maybe Biden wouldn't either. And Trump running sort of makes sure Biden does. You know, Does that make sense? I just feel like Biden might step aside and say, my, you know, my job was done here. And I'll let somebody else do it. I just feel like with Trump there, he's definitely going to run. And he's going to be in his 80s. Well, let me say this. People would say, you know, you've heard people say for the past year, two years, well, Biden will never run for the second time. He'll never run for the second time. And then I heard many people say, well, the Democrats won't let him. And I remind them that he is the Democrat Party. He right. is the leader of he's the party. The of the he's States. the president of the United States. So, And we've heard that he's going to make an announcement in, in the very near future. And I have the same concerns everybody else does about him running. I mean, I think he's 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 lost his fastball a long time ago. I think that it's it's very uh, detrimental to this country. But it's his decision, and nobody's going to stop him. And from for his, from his perspective, why wouldn't he? From his perspective, right. not our perspective, but from his. We're back here with uh, Themis Claritus. I, I wanted to bring in uh, real quickly uh, Tom Condon from CT Mirror. And, and you can feel free to chime in too, Themis. Uh, you know, he wrote a piece recently, uh, just last week, uh, Plan to Rebuild Hartford Highways Gaining Support, Waiting for DOT. He joins us now uh, live on Brian and Company. Uh, Tom, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Brian. I'm fine. You know, I'm just curious. You know, I talked a lot with, you know, with Larry Laser, who ran against Larson in the first district, and, you know, he was very sort of cutting about this thing that, you know, it's a pipe dream, it'll never happen, and and this and that. And I'm just curious, like, why, what what's perking up about this net right now, at, you know, in January of, of 2023? Well, it's uh, it, a couple of things. It, it, it has started to attract funding, for one thing. Um, not all that it will need, but, but serious money, you know, over $10 million uh, for preliminary work. It has been widely recognized uh, why, uh, as a good plan. Um, so uh, it, it's won two national awards, and uh, and locally, re- you know, lo- I mean, awards don't necessarily mean that much, but locally, um, a lot of people have reviewed it and like it. So it is gaining a certain momentum that way. That said, uh, the DOT, which would be essential to the project. Um, is doing its own study and hasn't weighed in on it yet, although they've made a kind of a guarded but positive statement. Well, I mean, listen, $10 million to get from $10 million to $17 billion is quite a leap. So, you know, and for me, you know, I wonder at 51 in my lifetime what happened. I, I, I don't know many people who would argue that it's it, 
it would be great if you could get rid of them and connect East Hartford and the river and, and, and the, the city would be transformed. But, you know, in terms of the realistic, you know, studies or studies, I'm just curious of like if there is a timetable that's realistic, are we talking like like 2050? I mean, uh, uh, the well, well, the goal, uh, it's called Hartford 400 and. And that and and that is the the hope was to finish it by 2035, which is Hartford's 400th anniversary. Now, obviously, if you mentioned 17 billion. Uh, we're not getting that in in uh, one fell swoop, obviously. So the the project will have to pro- will have to progress incrementally. Um, its sequencing will be important. What comes first? What comes next? What can you do here? Um, you know, it, can it be done? Well, it was done the first time. Um, and it's not, you know, it's again, if there is the will to do it, it can be done. That's the question. Well, we're talking with Tom Condon from ctmirror.org here on Brian and Company and WTIC News Talk 1080. So you said the DOT study is ongoing and, uh, and all of that. Like what, what would be, just let people know who are listening, what would be the next step or two here in this process? Well, first, uh, DOT is doing an intermodal three-year study that is due to be completed this year. So the first step is going to will be to see what DOT comes up with, and then there will have to be let let's say we move forward with it. There will have to be a sort of a sequence of projects um, uh, that, that makes the most sense. Uh, for example, I, I would. And I'm, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know this for sure, but I would guess that they would start out with um, some of the simpler ones. One of them is, is a link, or sort of a bridge from the area around the baseball stadium uh, over uh, <clears throat> over the highway to um, Riverside Park. Uh, the next one I would, I would guess, could be the um, what's called the Heart Line, um, sort of a takeoff on the High Line. Um, which would be the development of a nearly abandoned railroad corridor that runs from Hartford to Bloomfield, uh, called the Griffin Line, developing that into a uh, into a multimodal uh, linear park system, with, with the hope, as has happened uh, with the High Line and Atlanta's Belt Line, of drawing of drawing development to it, and actually continuing it over the river to uh, East Hartford. So I imagine. That projects like that might go first, develop some right. momentum, see some results, and then move on to the bigger ones. I'm going to look at that multimodal linear park. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's one to keep in mind. Uh, listen, Tom, as always, it's good to check in and uh, appreciate the piece and appreciate the time. Thank you, Brian. Anytime. All right, Tom Con. CT Mirror, you can get uh, the piece right there. You know, it's funny, Themis, you, you know, obviously worked in Hartford for a long time. The city, we're always trying to make it better. I mean, do you, do you see, do you see, you know, I look at like Worcester, which I went to graduate school in Worcester, and that place was like the worst. And even that, they've, they've turned the corner in, in, in Worcester. And a lot of it has to do with the baseball team. And I think the baseball team in Hartford's done a lot of good. But I mean, how do you view it? Like, how do you – because I, I, I walk around. I remember I went to the Van Gogh exhibit at the convention center, and then my wife and I wanted to go to get something to eat. And I was like, let's go to Trumbull Kitchen. And she wanted to drive. I was like, let's just walk. And we walked, and we didn't see a soul. Mm. And there's good bones. There's good buildings. There's a lot of good things. But what's it going to take? I mean, as far as, as Tom Condon's 
um, idea. I mean, I think these are these are all great ideas. We just have to remember it's a balancing act, right? Re- crazy expensive. People will be dislocated for for years on. It. I mean, just look back to the big dig in Boston. Sure, I was right? there, and a lot of tons of graft and. Right. I mean, and it's great when it's over, but you know, getting people through that kind of thing and the amount of money it will cost. I so mean, does that mean you don't you don't act. support that kind of thing? I, I'm not saying I don't support it, but it's 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 a question of what you really think you're going to get out of it versus the money and the dislocation and everything else. But I mean, to your point, Hartford has really struggled even more since COVID. Yeah. Right. And when you look at the restaurants, you talk about you have you don't see anybody on on the streets. So many companies have gone, have gone, yeah. you know, virtual. And they're not coming back. And and they're not. I mean, I know companies that literally were were virtual, then went, then went two days in the summer, you know, only virtual. You had to be in the office three days a week, and and for af- after Labor Day went back to three days virtual because it worked better for them, and people didn't want to come back in. So towns like cities like Hartford suffer from that. Because if it's not during the day, you're not having the lunch crowd and all that, and then they they're not coming in. So we have to figure out a way to get people in. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I think that, you know, making it easier to get to get in and get out of, you know, as this project uh, is is contemplated. Well, it needs a reason to go is, in. Though. It's certainly a real idea. There's no question about it. But we always come back to the money and the dislocation, and you know what, you talked about the graft and everything that happened with the big. Oh, big. I mean, my God. It's a big deal. Yeah. You know, it is a big deal. So there's there there these are all great ideas. It's just what do you what do you want to um the result to be and is it worth And I don't even know if the big dig like opened up the seaport or whatever, but like that play I mean it it, it trans it did end up ultimately transforming Boston. It just took forty years or whatever. Um we're talking with Themis Claritus and you know, I'm I'm not gonna hit you with the the, the what the what's next type thing, but you know, I, I think there's it's really interesting to me as somebody who 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 wanted you wanted to serve in, in the in the U.S. Senate, and to me, like the number one thing that I don't underst- I don't really understand why we don't try harder or better is immigration. And like I don't I don't know if you have a feeling as you watch what goes on. It took Biden two plus years to even go to the border, and just putting up a fence isn't an answer either. We've never in my lifetime seemed to have addressed it properly, but I don't really know what proper is. I, I just it's a subject that I think about a lot. So I just wanted to ask you. I agree with you, and I, I still don't understand. And we've not gotten an answer as to why the president hasn't hadn't been there until recently. I don't it, understand. It makes no sense to me. Same whatsoever, particularly since politicians typically have the, you know, the photo op. Uh, disease where they they'd love to go uh places and make people think they're doing something i think it's a real problem and i think you're right i mean this hasn't been solved in republican or democrat administrations i mean you have one side that says you know dig their heels in and said nobody should ever come in here and then you have another side that says you know everybody should come in here i mean the reality is this you know my grandparents all of our some of our parents some of us came here in the way they came here and they came here for that American dream. I mean, I think we need to have as much legal immigration as possible. The question is, how, how do we define in 2023 what legal immigration is? Right. Right? And I think that both sides feel so strongly about it, but they're, nobody wants to take a step forward and say, okay, we have to somehow meet in the middle here. 
You know, I mean, an alternative path to citizenship or something people need to why is that, that such a problem you're here for right? two minutes and you're a citizen and why that is that yeah you have to have a job that means you have to show that you're making money that means you have to show you know that you're do you have a place to live I'm paying mean, taxes I, and this and that and, and that and that's a very broad right word but why should you be attacked you as being uh uber progressive for wanting to to be okay with talking about it i think that's 100 percent correct uh we're out of time um let's definitely try to to get you in again it was really fun um, you definitely uh, elevated the fashion, both you and Christine Stewart. I mean, I, I look like a total schlub. Um, you know, I just want to be consistent. This is what I would dress if you weren't coming. Um, thank you so much for coming in, and we'll, we'll catch up soon. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.